bottom mic. Yo. Ketchup is good. Mustard, go fuck yourself. Damn, dude. What about Dijon? Yeah, get the fuck out of Honey? here. Honey? Honey, I'll stand for. Honey, I'm a mustard. Honey, I just turned into mustard. Right. We bought a mustard. Already ripping. We can't even wait for this song to end. We got to just start riffing bits, man. Hello. There's no way around it. Welcome to We Bought a Mic. A condiment uh, spice <laughs> sauce salsa podcast. As long as it's sweet, I like it. Mm-hmm. Ketchup uh, is salsa if you put it on a chip. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's our argument for the week. Ketchup is also a... Uh, it's a salad dressing if you just put it on yeah. your salad. Okay, we're taking this too far. Guess what? Jesus. People, there was somebody who ordered a salad at work today with mayo and ketchup on it. That's fucking disgusting. <laughs> like lettuce and tomato yeah. and peppers. Much, it was a hamburger without the bread, but they has gotten salad that, form. That's and the was, whitest shit I've ever heard. I served it to them. I was like, hey, here's your salad. And by the way, you can go fuck yourself because I hate you. <laughs> I, yeah, I said that to them. I don't have a job anymore, guys. If, if any <laughs> listeners have any applications, that was your boss who to. ordered that. Yeah, salad. I gave yeah. it to her. <laughs> now I'm done. All right, uh, welcome to We Bought a Mic. I'm Ernest Calderon. I am. Wait for it. Wait for it. Hunter Mobley. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, I made him wait for it. They that, were like, "Who is that?" That was really good. <laughs> that was great. Anyway, I'm uh, Nitro Cold Brew Drew. Yeah. Nitro, nitro cold drew whoa yeah i uh whoa. i'm a I post ca- buffet i came in at, uh, coming in hot off a buffet i'm uh i'm wiped but i have a fucking nitro cold brew if you have you guys had these before yeah nitro no because i don't want to die you literally drink like three sips and you're just like you wake up six hours later and you did all your laundry and <laughs> It's it's great. It's I, like Adderall, but like healthy. It's, yeah, see, the yeah. thing is that I've just I can't even get the enjoyment out of it just because I've done too much cocaine. I mean, oh. Soylent, Soylent. I've done too much Soylent. Yes. Too much Soylent. Ridiculous amounts of Soylent. Yeah, yeah, right up the butt. Mm-hmm. All right. So what are we doing today, boys? Well, we're just chilling, celebrating the Lord. Yeah, it's it's Easter. Happy Rabbit. I'm busy turning water into vodka. He is egg. as the Lord did himself. Easter Sunday. It's a big day uh, in pop culture. Grid, you're mm-hmm. not listening to this on Easter. This is probably coming out in the middle of the week. But is it's there, fine. It's, what, is there, it's is fine. there an Easter movie? Except uh, for like Breakthrough. Now in Passion Peters. of the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> no. Guys, the big Easter movie of this year is The Curse of La Llorona. La Llorona. Okay, yeah. I'm going to give you another chance <laughs> Although, to say which, that. Which, <laughs> La Llorona. La Llorona. Although, it's completely wrong in all of the marketing, which says La Llorona. And I'm like, that's not right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's now, I don't even know how to speak Spanish anymore. After Hellboy? Or as the Christians say, heck boy. Yeah. Which is, uh, it's mo- that's like what like We Rate Dogs on Twitter says about dogs. Like, what a heckin' boy. What a hecking rare boy. Yo, don't you dare talk shit about We Rate I'm, Dogs. I'm more than willing to talk shit about don't you dare We don't have to get into how- They're always very good boys, we don't and have I to get want into to pet it. them. We don't okay? have to get into how that guy was whitewashing the names of dogs that people would send him <laughs> yeah. for more marketable content. They're like, this is Anubis, and they're like, he's like, this is Steve. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not joking. He actually, that happened. <laughs> Like he, yeah. There's okay, anyway. You <laughs> um, don't want to make him an enemy of the. Podcast. Yeah, we write dogs. Best friend of the pod. Heckin' good boy account. We're just never, never gets old. We're just it. we're just doing ketchup today. So easy breezy, beautiful podcast. We got our brews. 
we got our Jesus. We get, we're slobbering eggs all yeah, over our. I got my cold brew and I got a cold brew. Yeah, I'm double fisting. Um, but before we do catch up, we want to do a quick reminder about the summer movie wager. Um, it's happening. We have a week to lock in our picks. Mm-hmm. Are I, you going to post a link to this for listeners? Yes. So cool. if anybody out there wants to join in, it's thesummermoviewager.com. Uh, send us your nickname via Twitter or Gmail, uh, DM or at us or whatever, and we'll include you in the leaderboard. Um, yeah. the, the deadline is the day before Avengers Endgame comes out. And I'm just throwing this idea out here live on the podcast so i mean just get ready for it boys if you beat us in the summer movie wager we will take your request for the movie to actually have to watch and commentate oh. over our own wow is that true yeah honestly yeah why not like yeah. why wouldn't because last year we had like what 10 people we had quite a few people yeah, doing call in yeah. friend of the pod was the winner yeah he had us watch unbreakable which we didn't do a commentary track on but we did watch it, it. was <laughs> if your movie is like not shit that we probably won't do a commentary track for. Yeah, because we'll what still are we gonna say? Yeah, we're just gonna well, be like, Max damn, that's Keeble, good. <laughs> Max Keeble was not shit. No, of course not. So no one said that. And also, that commentary was partially for Colin. You know, yes, Colin. I watched. It was it. like a makeup. It was because we didn't do yeah. Unbreakable. I wish that he was sense. there for it because me and him watched Keeble like a, like a couple months before we did that, mm-hmm. and um. It was most of the same bits. So, <laughs> so, listeners, if you haven't checked it out already, we do have a commentary track of Max Keeble's big move uh, up in the feed right now. It's mostly like um, descriptive audio for the visually Im- impaired. It's mostly That's what me Drew is doing. literally going insane. Well, you're you're describing what's happening on screen. Yeah. So we're really like we're very kind of like disabled friendly for like <laughs> blind people. It was the first this. time I had ever seen it, so I'm just trying to soak it all in. <laughs> it's just constantly being interrupted no. by you. But, I have you know. to. I had a manic episode. And you're like, look, if you pause the screen right here, if you zoom in to the right corner of the screen, you can see the two towers falling. Yeah. yeah. So, cool. And also, what we're trying to say is Max Keeble is going to win the summer movie wager. It's num- the number one movie every year since 2001. I just keep thinking, I'm just like, I don't think Endgame's going to make it, guys. It's Max <laughs> I just Keeble. don't think, I'm just like, it's going to be Curse of La Llorona. I know it doesn't qualify. It's still going to make it. Yeah. Um. I think, Max Keeble. I think um, Ultron's going to make it onto this year's <laughs> oh, list. God. Yo, you're thinking too far into the future. I think the Iron Man is going to make it. Oh, the Iron Man. The Iron Man. That could be yeah. good. Anyway, yeah, if you want to join, there will be a link to join. And it's it's really fun. It's always fun. You literally just choose what you think are going to be the top 10 box office for the domestic. summer. Domestic. Yeah, yeah, domestic. That is an important distinction. Uh, and also you have like three dark horse picks that you can you think might sneak in there to get some bonus points yeah. and the point system is weighted based on if you get it exactly right or like one or two away from its actual uh final spot the most important mm-hmm. spots are the first and the tenth spot 13 points if yeah you which those. is which is that's that's kind of really important that's honestly where i've been struggling the most making well, my you list your 10. is the number 10 yeah is because the number 10 it's just like that could be a whole slew of movies you have to think about that more like it's almost more of the more one so than the number one yeah and it's more so the one that'll sneak in because there at the such, very end it's such a guaranteed lock 
that Detective Pikachu is hitting number one, that it's like, what's going to be number ten? Yeah. Um, Will it be Endgame? Will Endgame even make the cut at it all? It might not. I don't think so. It might bomb. I mm-hmm. think that it's going to do terror. I think that everybody's buying their tickets Thursday night, and they're just going to be like, that was cool, and then it's not going to... It's going to make zero dollars yeah. at the box office. I don't... Like, <laughs> what would have to happen for that movie to tank? There would have to be, like, a movie theater serial killer. It would... Who, who you know, who's just like... It would have to be a Dark Knight Rises situation. Yeah, yeah, for real. But almost worse because Dark Knight Rises still made a lot of money. Or it could be like an episode of The Leftovers where everyone's just like (laughs) asphyxiating themselves the whole time. If you see it Thursday night, then you disappear from the world. (laughs) Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Would the world be a better place? I just want to. I just want to see Captain America just asphyxiating himself with a plastic bag for like oh, half the movie. Fuck. I just want to see Kevin Feige, Kevin Feige just walking up to the screen, looking dead in the camera with his dead eyes that he has, pulling down his pants, and then just jacking off for three hours oh, and no. two minutes, Damn. and just staring right into your eyes the entire time. Flaccid, never gets hard. <laughs> yeah, he never gets hard the entire time. Oh, gross. Yeah. Any, so That's we're a little bit off track. Um, obviously. So, Drew, what have you been checking out, man? <laughs> Check out the cinema. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I wanted to catch do, up. I wanted to do a little bit of music catch up, really quick. Uh, when a lot of the time when I talk about bands, uh, I end up getting caught in this cycle of just discussing the influences that go into the sound of the band, and I realized recently that it it's a little bit like a recipe. Is it, is, We're it loading. is it playing? We're loading. <laughs> it's a little bit like a recipe. Oh, we have an ad. Oh, okay. Sweet. Is it playing? It's there's an ad. Let me skip the ad. Okay. Okay. It's a little bit like a recipe. Start the clock. Uh so to get this band, uh, we're going to start with a strong cup and a half bass of parquet chords. How are the levels? Are we are we working with the music? So you definitely want indie post-punk to be your primary flavor of this band. <laughs> this is already going really well, I can tell. I'm going to keep doing this week to week. Uh, so you definitely want to bring out that salty but sweet indie post-punk flavoring. But next ingredient definitely need some 80s alternative uh, post-punk music. Ever heard of the Buzzcocks? Throw in a tablespoon, bitch. You know what I mean? Do you like the Buzzcocks? Tell me about the Buzzcocks. The Buzzcocks invented the Arctic Monkeys, and I love Arctic Monkeys, but... Yeah, the Buzzcocks are... They're, yeah. they're extremely influential British 80s rock band, but they have a very distinct guitar sound. Uh, next up, we're going to stir in, just over the top, a little half cup of Mac DeMarco, okay? So we're going to want some guitar-forward modern indie music. That's very important. Mac DeMarco's voice is very bad. When you listen to Mac DeMarco, you don't listen for the voice. You're listening because his guitar is almost like another character in the movie, if you think about it. It's like New York, if you will. Yes. Um, after that, we're going to add our secret ingredient, which is a little bit of the zest of mid-2000s obscure Britpop, okay? I'm talking about the future heads. I know you guys don't mm-hmm. know about them. Oh, no, I've, oh, I've heard, heard the future I've, heads. I've heard yeah, of them. I, I'm not a huge fan, but... Well, okay, then stop the music. All right, well, <laughs> no, you're I'm, not you know a what? fan. You then know, get I'm, out of here, I'm, okay? <laughs> All right, we had to pause it. I'm back. <laughs> I'm, anyway, uh, we definitely need that. We need a little bit of poppiness, but not a lot. Not overpowering, just zesting the future heads. We're literally like 
putting a cheese grater over a human being and grating this guitarist from this band over our recipe, okay? Uh, so we're going to bake it at about 420, if you know what I mean. Wait, but what's what's our <laughs> main, what's our big, like, meaty ingredient? That's, it's parquet courts. Okay. You were too busy fucking with the <laughs> music. <laughs> this The reception I'm getting is just <laughs> tepid at worst. Anyway... We just happened to whip up a fresh batch of Omni. You ever heard of these guys? No. No, you haven't. I'll tell you why. They just signed. The music can come or go at this point. I'm not. <laughs> I was going to say, this is what the music that you're listening to, listeners, is not Omni. <laughs> it's not this band. Yeah. We could have just played a song by them in the background of all I Google, this. I YouTube searched <laughs> recipe music. And then I realized that that's not a uh, uh, term. So that's what I, it came up with. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, this is a band that you haven't heard of because they just signed with Sub Pop Records. So, which is like, oh, okay, yeah, nice. which is transition from being like big, for, like yeah. grunge. It's transitioned to being a really, really solid indie label. Uh, this band is an extremely solid indie band. I think mid pop is like it's like the A twenty four of record labels. <laughs> <laughs> Don't expand on you that. You mean yeah, Sub Pop? Okay. Sub yeah. pop. You said mid pop. That's I meant sub pop. It's the same thing. Mid anyway. pop is also <laughs> just as good. Um, Ding! I think our meal is ready. Oh, <laughs> I thought. Okay, let's get it out of the oven. <laughs> let, oh, it cool. is seven- let it cool. Oh, I love mm. the smell of Omni. It is. Mm, yeah, I eat that, and I'm like, Omni Um. <laughs> <clears throat> Ernest, you can't hold any of this against me later when we do our argument segment. This oh, is this okay. is going to be water under the bridge. You can't hold any of this against me. Uh, so they just signed with Sub Pop. They actually have two albums already from 2016 and 2017. Both very solid albums. I like the 2017 album a little better. It's a little more polished. But this is post-punk indie rock music in the vein of like Parquet Courts. Uh, where really with Parquet Courts, you're not listening for the dude's voice. You're listening because the guitars sound fucking sick in that band. Well, especially in the new album. Because I, yeah. I checked yeah. out Parquet Courts older albums and some of it's it is worse. like it's worse yeah it's like very noisy experimental yeah. they were more punch yeah they just transitioned more into the indie uh sound but anyway this band really fascinates me this because the entire star of the band is their guitarist his name is frankie Broyles, uh formerly guitarist for deer hunter actually oh nice i really like deer i saw yeah. i've seen deer hunter live before oh you've probably seen frankie Broyles. oh of <laughs> well, i didn't know that was his name open up for coheed so oh Tells you how good of quality they are. I think the recipe is actually spoiled now that you just told me that. Uh, but he, this guitarist is so great because Deer Hunter isn't a super guitar forward band. They're very proggy. I don't know if you ever listen to Deer Hunter, but it's it's very yeah. prog. Yeah, and it's of. it's a lot of it is more like it, they have a lot of members, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. They have like seven dudes, so you, it's not like one guy controlling the show. This dude is controlling the entire band in a great way. The drums are great, but they, ev- the pace and the tone of every song is set by the guitar, which I love. Like I happen to love that kind of music. Um but yeah, you if you research this band, the word angular pops up a lot. I don't okay. I don't I can't describe exactly what that means, but I know it's rebelly maybe. I, yeah, it's just very like sharp sounding guitar. Yeah. Like it's it's not trying to blend in. It's mm-hmm. trying to stand out. The um, opposite of reverb. Yeah. Reverb. And these these guys are extremely musically talented. The lyrics are very good, uh very uh kind of like anxiety introspective. Um 
but in kind of, and not an annoying way. Uh, the singer is fine. You know, like I said, Mac DeMarco is in our recipe for a reason. We're talking about the guitar here. Uh, but yeah, they fuck around with time signatures. I believe a lot. he was the zest. He was. No, 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 no. The zest was uh, Future Heads. Mm. <laughs> and that's mostly because they have one song that sounds like the Future Heads, and that's okay. it. But anyway, I really like this band. And if you want to sound hip, you should get into them now. They're from Atlanta. And they have been kind of dominating the indie scene in Atlanta for like a few years now. Um, this has been the side project. But I think that Deer Hunter is kind of running out of gas a little bit. Uh, and this band just signed with Sub Pop. So I think right now they're in like the hundreds of thousands of plays on Spotify. I think if this debut like does well and is good, we're going to be they're not going to like break free into the radio or anything. This is like indie music it's not mainstream at all but it's going to be verging into the million territory because this is a super solid band i'm a so I'm you're a big calling fan. it you're you're buying stock right now exactly that's cheap. what i'm saying i would buy stock right now they just released a single great single um what's the name uh um, omni no 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 <laughs> of, of the song i don't know dude i don't know i because i pulled the song up called deluxe is it that one uh, that's I think an album. Oh, an album. Okay. But they're just overall Is there a deluxe version of deluxe. A deluxe, deluxe, <laughs> deluxe. Yeah. Parentheses, deluxe. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, this band I think also is going to be popping up in a lot of Discover Weekly playlists if they again if this debut album if this big label debut does well because they're similar to a lot of bands that's why I did this whole segment because they remind me of a lot of bands but they're also extremely unique um so I really appreciate them like I can listen through their whole discog and not skip a single song they're really nice. solid so Dope. listen it we're dun, next, dun, I'm doing it again dun, next dun, week. I don't care. I'm going to. Yeah. This has been Drew's Recipe Corner. <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in. Um, hold on. I just fucked everything up. So <laughs> trying listen, to play listen, that out of my computer. should know that there were uh, a whole three hours and 20 minutes left of music there. This is three hours of have... cafe music. Um, not that's pretty good cafe music for cafe yeah, music it's pretty, standards. Pretty chill. I mean, it's better than like most Starbucks yeah. albums that you would find. Yeah, lo- so, lo-fi know. coffee beats to study and relax to <laughs> in mm-hmm. France. <laughs> so Omni d- uh, yeah. notably does not sound like cafe music. No, definitely not. I don't know why you would think that. The <laughs> metaphor is very clear with what I'm doing, you, you idiots. Anyway, uh <laughs> I, I checked out on Netflix Homecoming, which is Beyonce's documentary that is also a, a live in concert show. And not the Sam Asmiel Prime. No, show. I didn't watch that it's yet. And also that. not the Spider Man movie starring. Uh, Tom no, no And also, that. I didn't just go to a high school in October. <laughs> I didn't do any of these things. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I know, Ernest, I know you're going to speak about Guava Island uh, later on the show. I did want to just point out that it's like, it seems that. The fact that these two things came out in the same week seems very purposeful. Really? That, like, they're almost... They came out on the same week in two different viewing platforms. Like, this was definitely a whole idea that both Beyonce and... Like, a little bit of a battle. Donald Glover had. I don't think it was so much a battle because Donald Glover knows he ain't wanting to fight against Beyonce. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Nobody Donald Glover. Is. You're amazing. I love you with all of my heart. I would let you peg me oh, in a heartbeat. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> I watched the, the uh, probably the first third of this because it's what? A little over two hours? It's long. 
Yeah, um, I didn't get through the whole thing. Yeah, so this but is I her good chunk. This is her Coachella sets. Um, I say sets because she did two because it's a two weekend festival and it's intercut. Um, yeah, and I think that's really neat. Is all the costume design completely changes and it's very seamless. Like it just goes back and forth between these two sets. Um, but anyway, this is like an one of the best concerts I've ever seen, like in my life, which is not a hot take to say the least. Like pe- a lot of people have seen this set before anyway, just like on YouTube, but. This was an unbelievable concert. It it's like it has a theme. It's like an album in itself, even though she's playing songs from different albums. It has skits, it has actors, it has professional dancers, and most notably, it has the homecoming theme. So it's backed by a massive marching band. Um and dancers. Yeah, yeah. That so it's that yeah. type of vibe. This is like an unbelievable show. And the documentary itself is very, very cool. Uh a lot of like abstract cutaways to like it'll be like uh either famous black female leaders uh, speaking about subjects or it'll just be Beyonce talking, like narrating, talking about the difficulties that she went through, like putting this show together, um, which it sounds like it could be indulgent and maybe it is a little bit, but I, it didn't bother me at all. Like she, the shit she went through to put this show together is unbelievable because she had such a strong uh, vision in mind. She took every person working on the show all the dancers and the marching band people she took from different black colleges marching bands which notably they have the best marching bands we come from Tallahassee they have FAMU there are plenty of people from FAMU that did this show um but yeah it's just like it's it's the concert and the behind the scenes all in one uh it, and it was it was planned to be that way. It's not like they were like, well, we have all this footage. Let's just make a documentary. No, it, it was def- Yeah, it was very on purpose. The footage of the, the concert itself is low def, which bothered me a little bit just because it seems like they could have snuck some big fucking cameras out there. Uh, also, I mean, I watched the live show of Coachella this year with Gambino and like it was very like crystal clear great direction for like a live concert like, oh yeah helming the well camera, it's great cinematography yeah it's I mean. still yeah it still looks great and it still has great direction uh and it also might fit some sort of theme uh because a lot of the footage used in uh, in the cutaways is very intentionally low quality like to add to an aesthetic uh so it doesn't stand out too badly uh beyonce is amazing the show is unbelievably put together like it's brilliant it's something that you couldn't take on the road on a tour no it's so massive it's so yeah there's it's so involved for like it's like you know they employed probably 200 people to put this show together which is compared to your average concert even at a big stage like coachella way more like so many people worked hard on this so i mean you like kind of point out like the whole thing with the show is that it's a live concert interspliced with like documentary like classic first person style documentary filmmaking but one of the things that really pulled me in was like kind of all of the struggles in Beyonce's life because a uh, grant I mean Beyonce isn't really truly opening up because she's an EP on this thing like she <laughs> has final cut pretty much of this whole project so she's not saying anything that she doesn't want to get out to the, there to the world but like I know that even whenever, because I mean, this is the Coachella performance from 2018, which yeah, yeah. I've I've seen clips of. I haven't actually watched her whole performance, but it's an amazing performance. And like, one of the things that drew me into seeing this, Grant, I haven't seen this yet, but it's like her <laughs> talking about certain things, like her weight and other stuff going on in yeah. her life and stuff like that, and like how she brings that into oh, yeah. her music. It's it's very involved in her personal life because she says in the doc, like. 
not like months before she did this concert, she weighed 218 pounds. She had just had a child. Two. Yeah. Two twins. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she was she was like big. And it goes into her routine, her diet. Like it's She all, like starved herself. Yeah, it's all fucking insane. And then by showtime, she looks just like she always has. She looks unbelievable. And it's just it's so wild to see the immense amount of work that was put into the whole process. Again, is it indulgent? Maybe, but it's Beyonce. Right. <laughs> so, like, it's kind of on brand. Nobody <laughs> is on even close to the level that she's in. She's, like, royalty. She's a superstar. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, it, she's one of the last, like, true superstars left that's yeah. out there that everybody across the world, like, not just America, like, across the world, they, like, hear Beyonce and they're like, oh, yes, I know this. Like, yeah, like, you come away from it realizing that she has a lot of executive control at this point over her career. That was a knock I had on her, like, a long, long time ago because... Uh, you know, early on she did like really good pop music, but it was still you know pop music like big label pop. Uh, starting around like around the time single ladies came out, she ended up ge- she started getting a lot more control over her shit. And now we have like you know we have Lemonade and we have this, we have all these insane uh, uh, pieces of art basically that go beyond the album and the songs. But to that point about Lemonade, because I was about to bring that up, is like Beyonce at this point she's so smart that she's able to take like little things about her life and put it out there into the world but you know like she's still holding back like 90 percent of everything but mm. she just lets the world have like this 10 percent, and then they just latch onto it yeah. like think about when lemonade came out everybody's like yo jay-z's a piece of shit he cheated on beyonce like all this kind of stuff just because of like a couple songs like some stuff that she says and like that that Beyonce is like so smart about what she does and she has such a massive fan base that people will just cling on to anything and I mean she's learned how to use that to her benefit just like I'll just let out this little yeah. bit which lets people have a sense of attachment and the re- the relationship drama was part of that too yeah no that's I a mean calculated that was thing. literally because, oh yeah I mean, to create a they narrative were still around playing the album. together and everything else and you could tell they were still happy together if you saw them in other things yeah all that like, all that affair shit did bother me when all that was happening because I was like it's smart it's, though it's I know so Genius. Well, it yeah, worked. they're both brilliant business people. Yeah. Like, they know how to they do shit. They know what sells. And, <laughs> and, and drama sells. speaking of which, the guest appearances on this are great. Jay-Z shows up. Like, plenty of people show up. Generally, this is just great. Uh, it is long, uh, but it's it was for me, it was well worth watching. I'll probably watch it in chunks. Because I just watched the first third. I'll probably watch it in, like, two, yeah, maybe two more sittings. That's fair. Because I, I remember... Uh, Netflix has put out a couple of concerts before. I can't think of all of them, but I remember they put out a uh, concert film for um, Justin Timberlake for his tour. Great. And I that was a long one, and I watched that one in chunks, and that one was really good, too. Yeah, this one is super solid. I gained a lot of respect for uh, Beyonce on the, on the working side of things, and obviously her performances have never been in question. She's always been amazing. Uh, it's great. And speaking to the music, because that, to me, was the most important part. Like, does it sound good? sounds amazing. The acoustics are great. Uh, whatever mics they used worked just as well as, like, yeah, with so studio many mics. People. So many people. You this huge-ass band. Uh, note to anyone that's, like, in hip-hop, if you throw, like, horns and live drums into your hip-hop show, it, it's fucking amazing. Like, it never is wrong. Uh, and she has about 100 horns. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's fucking sick. Some of the songs sound better than they do in recording in this concert. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, I recommend it. It's great. It's fun. All right. Homecoming um on netflix what else you got oh man (laughs) well sometimes with these uh movies that we watch uh all these influences it can kind of seem like a recipe 
<laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not gonna do that again. <laughs> no, just really, really quick. I wanted to say I watched the original Arthur, uh, which is from like 1980. I want to say something like that. It's it's a uh, comedy movie. It was remade in 2011. I thought you were talking about the TV show Arthur. Yeah, I'm gonna and I'm gonna roast the Arthur. <laughs> no, it's. They remade it with Russell Brand in 2011 uh, to mixed reviews at best. Uh, it didn't do great, but the original movie still holds up. And I wanted to say that I really admire a comedy from that long ago that can... It's about 40 years old, and it's still good. Um, it's not, like, all good, but it's it's well-written. It's well-directed. It's well-acted. Uh, haven't heard of, like, anybody involved with it, except for Liza Minnelli, who's, who plays uh, the love interest. It's It's about this insanely rich, like, bratty guy who... Uh, basically has to get his shit together or else he's, you know, and get married to who his parents want to, or else he's going to like lose all his money or whatever. Uh, So that plot like isn't the freshest idea in the world, but back then it was plenty fresher and the comedy of it is just good. Like it's well-written and it's, it's, it's quality. There's not much to say about it. The guy who directed it and wrote it, he wrote Arthur uh, like met, like eight years later, he wrote Arthur two hmm. didn't do well. Uh, And then nothing until the remake of Arthur, which he also wrote. This guy has so he has, has one he has idea. he has one idea in <laughs> his whole in his whole head and it's a good idea but <laughs> it won um it looks like it won a few awards it won the Golden Globe for best motion picture comedy oh and nice. I think it looks like it also won the Golden Globe for best supporting actor and best actor yeah that makes sense oh and it won the Oscar for best supporting actor. With who the butler John Gilgood. Oh, John Gilgood. I would guess that yeah. that's yeah the his Arthur's butler in this Hobson. yeah oh yep. my god he's unbelievably funny a lot of it because our two le- Arthur and Hobson are British as are many characters in this so a lot of it is like witticism comedy like it's like well crafted little funny quips um, which I I appreciate and then a lot of the time sometimes it's it's a little annoying because Arthur is very drunk all the time. Uh, he's very good at acting drunk, though, this this actor. But solid movie all around. I'd recommend it if you want a throwback movie. Uh, there's, 1981. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, it's it's truly a solid movie throughout. Cool. All right, so that's what Drew's been ketchuping. Hunter, <laughs> what have you been condimenting? I've been uh, condimenting a couple of things. So um, this week it was released uh, Disney Nature's newest film, Penguins. So, um, or as Benedict Cumberbatch would say, penguin, penguins, 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 penguins. Um, so I've uh, this is the second Disney nature film I've seen. Have you guys ever seen a Disney nature movie? I don't. Yeah, I saw one that Morgan Freeman did. Didn't he? Do Are one? you thinking March, March of the Penguins? That's no, not because that's not. Disney. No, 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 no. It's, it was like an African safari movie that he did. Was it African cats? Sure. Because that's a Disney nature. <laughs> yes, yes, it so, was, and no one look it up. And let's move this on. This is the this is the only the uh, second Disney nature movie I've seen. The other one was Born in China. Penguins, as uh, for listeners of the pod, for longtime listeners of pods know, I'm a big penguins fan. Mm-hmm. Penguins are my favorite animal. Um, they always have been since I was a little little tot. Um, I I mean this movie is great. It's like it's a good movie. It's a really good documentary, well shot. He's biased. Can you feel it? It's, <laughs> he just likes penguins. So it's, here's it's the crazy thing. that they can make like a story out of the footage that they get okay. with the narration so, and everything. So it was it's that was going to lead me to a couple of points. So uh, first of all, before I get into the the sad truth of nature documentaries, um, the other movie I've seen is uh, Born in China, 
which is I, uh, I heard really good things. Born about in that. China that, is like that's truly a like a old. great documentary. But the thing that works about that is that it bounces around with I think three or four different animals. So you're getting like different kind of stories with each of them, and it keeps kind of the story continuously flowing. With this, I won't ever say it gets stagnant at any point because. The thing about this documentary, whether Disney intended or not, it shows that uh, being a penguin is hell. Like, that's literally, like, the worst possible life that you can have is life as a penguin. And just life in Antarctica and in, gen- in general is like, hey, so you have to do the- these exact things or you die. Damn. And that's exactly how life in Antarctica some works. brutal shit. Yeah, There's like, some stuff you're... in there that's truly, like, it's it's terrible. And the thing is that, like, it's a Disney movie, so it's all just, like, you know... It'll be like it'll show like this kind of like crow like Antarctic crow kind of creature like this bird that comes in there. It's just like it has to like eat the penguins' eggs while they're trying to hatch them and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, but also this bird's just trying to fucking survive and yeah. feed their own kids. Like it's so yeah. brutal. Well, that's that's one of my favorite things about any like Planet Earth type thing is they establish hero villain uh, narratives just through editing. So yeah. um, a lot of the things you're seeing aren't music. didn't actually happen in sequence like that. And yeah, and they add music and it's really impressive. Okay, yeah, it's great. So that it's also awesome. leads me to another point. I completely ruined this movie for my girlfriend while watching it because uh, this whole movie follows the character quote unquote Steve. His name is Steve the Penguin. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always like the last one in the pack. Aww. He's always the last one to actually get a girl and everything else. <laughs> oh, and I was just like, after it ended, I was like, yeah, you know, it was really cool. They like edited it together to like make it seem like it was all the same penguin. And she was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. all just the same Steve? <laughs> it was like I just ruined fucking Santa Claus for her. Yeah, she thought it was like Happy Feet. <laughs> she thought it was all just this one penguin. Spoiler alert for Planet Earth or anything else. Penguins all look the same. If you're yeah. all following the same type of penguin or anything else, they could just chop around <laughs> with different ones and make it look yeah. good. Yeah, because the one that was uh, for lagging behind storytelling. maybe just got eaten by a <laughs> polar bear. So there is, <laughs> where does no, your but, story go? <laughs> I mean, I will say, like, the way that this is shot is unbelievable. And one thing that was really cool about this is um, in the credits, like, interspliced with the names of everybody who worked on the movie, actually shows the filmmakers who you don't see at all during the actual movie itself. And there's, like, one point when they're, like, shooting, and it's, like, a fucking blizzard around wow. them. Like, these filmmakers are going through hell to yeah. get these shots. Like, literal hell. And there's one point when they're shooting it, and you can see it in the movie where, like, they're shooting this scene of uh, the penguin, let's call him Steve, for sake of continuity. Steve is swimming underwater, you know, trying to get some fishies, trying to cool off in the water, everything else. And uh, there's, like, killer whales coming to, like, fucking eat him. Oh, no. Like, they're literally, like, animals, like, coming to kill him while this is happening. And, like, the filmmakers are, like, just shitting, just sitting there in this box, like... These are, like, underwater. wild animals. Yeah, yeah, like, they got all this, like, shot on IMAX cameras underwater and everything else. Like, I don't know how they got some of the shots they have. Um, there's some really good shots of baby penguins, which I'm always a sucker for baby penguins. Babies are actually, that's the one thing that you can tell is actually fully realized in the movie because uh, uh, penguins malt, so they have, like, uh baby fur that they grow through but whenever they grow out their baby fur it kind of grows and like it almost looks like each of the penguins have their own complex hairstyles that they're nice. actually going through some of them mohawks some of them have like kind of a friar's bun <laughs> just um, doing just doing penguin fun one facts. of them has a max keeble uh, yes yeah, someone has the kid someone has the keeble cut yeah. um 
But those are actually, there's a really stressful scene towards the end of the movie where there's a penguin that looks like it's about to die by a giant seal. Turns out seals are like the assholes of the Antarctica. I don't know if you guys knew that. Um, Damn. That just, they just fucking eat everything. They get eaten by and, whales. And uh, penguins, fun fact, they will play dead in order to actually get away from uh, animals and stuff like that because they'll be like trying to bite at them. They'll be like, oh, Oh, this isn't fun. I'm just going to go find something that's squirming around so I can kill it mm-hmm. while it's live. Wow. You have just subscribed to Penguin Facts. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> Type yes to continue. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, if you guys are listening to this, depending on what day this actually is released, if you go in, within a week of it being released, all of the proceeds for your ticket actually go to Disney's funds. 100% of the funds go to uh, different rescues oh, and wow. animal conservatories and stuff like that. Do they show like some so of the... So are inf- Overlords Disney are actually doing some pretty cool things, yeah. guys. Like, I don't know if you guys know this, but... Uh, Disney's do they, great. Do they show cool. some of the environmental detriment of the Arctic in any way? They don't, which I was actually kind of wanting it to get more into that. But yeah. I think Gotta because Gotta keep it kid-friendly. Yeah, because they could Come on, show the kids that the world is fucked. <laughs> they couldn't get too much into that. But I mean, they do show like... There's like these hyperlapse shots, which are some of the coolest things where they shoot like an entire season, like where they just have almost a. It looks like, I mean, I'm sure there's some editing tricks involved, but it almost looks like they show an entire season just showed in one spot with the camera where you can just see like how much, like so much of Antarctica just completely it melts during the summertime and then reforms back in the winter. And that's kind of. I mean, if you guys have ever seen March of the Penguins before, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but yeah, that's kind of the whole thing with March of the Penguins that penguins have to march out over the summer. They like lay their eggs, they hatch their babies, they do all this stuff. They go out to the water so they can like bulk up on blubber, feed their kids, and then whenever it hits winter, they have to like super move inland because I mean everything's forming back around them, and other animals are coming into their area where they normally. Uh, normally go to live yeah but i mean i recommend penguins cool it's a it's a good good, good time good nature doc you know i always that. i i with nature docs i always marvel at the filmmaking you no, know because I mean, they they have to like stalk these animals for for weeks and weeks at a time just well, to I get mean, a single shot I mean, yeah just imagine if you just have one shot in mind and you're just like shooting it for weeks yeah. like in, you just have to especially sit in there Antarctica, you're in like literal hell, <laughs> like just yeah. awaiting for one shot. To, like you're sitting there for like eight months just to get like a couple of shots done. It's it's incredible the work that they do. Um, what else? You next up, I wanted to talk about her smell. You want to talk about her smell? I want to talk about her smell. Whoa! All right, let's turn the mics off for this <laughs> one. Hunter fell in love with a wayward penguin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was actually just about penguin smell. I really wanted to see this movie. Um, it so was at the Florida Film Festival. Caught this at the yeah at the Florida Film Festival at um, our own. Well, it wasn't playing at the Enzian, but sponsored by the Enzian Theater. It was playing at Warner Park Village here in Orlando, Florida. Just tell um, them our address. This is <laughs> most notably known as Alex Ross Perry, who's most notably known as the writer for Christopher Robin. Oh, and <laughs> Elizabeth Moss. Who's most notably known for the actress in <laughs> Frosty Tale. Returns? Um, Who? <laughs> she's in Handmaid's Tale. I know, because <laughs> Alex Ross Perry has actually made some good stuff like before what? now. But 
Um, Alex Ross Perry is actually, he's kind of known as a really great indie director. He made a movie called uh, Queen of Earth, Listen Up, Philip, which are like uh, the color the color wheel. Um, Super indie movies. Yeah, he's made some, but like oh, he really well acclaimed. Yeah, he's made some really well acclaimed like indie movies. Oh, no, movies. he didn't make that. <laughs> it just shows up for some reason. Okay, cool. Um, her Smell. So... This movie, this is actually the third movie that Alex Ross Perry and Elizabeth Moss have done together, so they're kind of building building a little bit of a kinship. Um, I'm really sad that he was a writer on Christopher Robin because this movie, I've still been kind of formulating my solid thoughts on this movie. I've seen this, saw this movie about four or five days ago. I'm still thinking about this. Harry Sayer says it's the best movie of the year. And I see a lot of the points. So the thing about this movie is it almost, I feel like it would be better as a play. Ooh. This is about, it's about mm. two hours and 20 minutes. So it is a little bit long, but it's really, it's only about five scenes long. There's only five actual scenes in this movie. And it really, it plays like a five act play. Like, Interesting. in a lot of ways. And really, I mean, okay, just to give a little bit of a, excuse me, basis of this movie, Elizabeth Moss plays this actress imagine basically kurt cobain mixed with a little bit more of a psychedelic like in her own private life kind of influence she's basically like the 90s the 90s female grunge Lit. version of kurt cobain okay um is it in the 90s or is it it's more so in like it kind of starts off about like i would guess 10 years ago and then kind of speeds through time but like okay. i said it's it's only five acts you're never really sure of the time placement of all of this it could be any sort of modern one thing time. that one movie that this actually reminded me of and i was thinking about in the theater in the theater while i was watching this and then in hi- and afterwards i listened to a interview with alex ross perry and elizabeth moss and i was like thank you my feelings are validated have you ever seen the movie the 2015 film steve jobs yeah yeah, so yeah. Danny Boyle, Michael Fassbender. You know kind of how it has that feeling almost like a play mm-hmm. where it almost just feels like, it's three scenes it's, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what this movie reminded me a lot of where it's very intentional dialogue. Um Steve Jobs very, has to think about purposeful. his whole life before he goes on stage. <laughs> yeah. Um there's actually a couple I think it's like two or three like really good original songs in this movie that are going to get completely overlooked by everybody, especially... um. So, this movie is basically about uh, Elizabeth Moss. She plays this character named, known as uh, Becky Something, is her name. Her Whoa. stage name. Sick. Um, yeah, so grungy. Um, she is basically like one of the big, biggest actresses in the world. And uh, her their name of the band is uh, Something Her... I believe one of the biggest actresses the, or or excuse me musicians in the okay. world um something her is the name of their band they were like bigger than life they were on the cover of all these magazines and all this kind of stuff uh but of course like every great 90s grunge artist they got super into drugs mm. um she's also she's a mother you see kind of all of these things about she's doing all these kind of very very intense drugs mixed with her like thinking that she's having all of these breakthroughs in a psych like psychological religious kind of a way this is it's 
it's a great movie. I'm coming around to it as being like, like I really do think. So I thought in, that there initially, was more you more... weren't a huge fan, though. No, I wouldn't say I wasn't a huge fan. Overall, I still I loved certain aspects of it, but I couldn't tell whether or not I loved the movie. Okay. I keep thinking about it over and over again, so I'm like, shit. I guess I do love this movie. It's one of those things where <laughs> you gotta like, sit on it a little. You bit. have to sit on it mm-hmm. to really appreciate yeah. kinda all like, of the things. Kind of like about uh, it. you guys with Mother. Yeah. Yep, that's not yes. true. Mother's a piece of shit. <laughs> I don't so. think it's a piece of shit. <laughs> I think it's kind of a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> mother has nothing to do with this with her smell, though. You Except for let... Mother's smell. <laughs> it's a completely another mother, film mother is a stinky that movie. I'm currently working on the screenplay for right now. So what does um, she smell like? <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> yeah, what's up with the title? Because I, I think that title's going to hurt it. I think Are that people, I think so people too. aren't going to want to see so a movie her called smell, Her Smell. Her Smell is not a great name. Mm. Although I kind of understand I I feel like there should be a better name for it. I feel like something her the name of the band would have been like a better it would have just been more of an obscure name, but Her Smell sounds so gross, mm-hmm. which is really the feeling of the movie. The movie feels so gross it's got a like layer. while you're watching it. Like you watch it and there's moments where you just want to reach there and you're just like guys want fucking punch elizabeth moss in the face right now like i hate this character so much but there's a purpose to all of that and alex ross Perry, like he really wrote this with a purpose and you can feel it there's one scene i think it's uh the third scene in the movie where they're in this recording studio and of course, Elizabeth Moss is so, like, beyond fucked up all of this, throughout all of this. And, like, another band comes in that gets signed to the label, and they're just, like, fawning over it. They're like, oh, my God, Becky's something. Like, she's, like, a legend and everything else. And as the scene goes on, it's, like, 20, 25 minutes long. You can see them kind of break down a little bit. That there's, like... They were idolizing They have her. to, like, keep, like, huh, yeah, this is great. But they're like, yeah, what the fuck is wrong with her? Um, I don't want to completely spoil this movie for you guys because i do yeah, recommend i, I want to see it i do recommend it um i'm sure it's gonna get a little bit wider of a release i don't think it's gonna be in theaters for very long so hit on your fandango alerts to mm-hmm. see when this comes to your town i already have um, i'm waiting on it yeah no like i it was I literally do, one night only yeah it was showing. one night only which is kind of odd and uh so for those of you who don't know the Florida Film Festival, one of the people, one of the volunteers who puts it on gives like a little monologue in there. It's like, yes, yeah, so you guys made a strange choice coming to this one. Obviously not a fan of this movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but he was still Holy there. shit. I was like, oh, okay. Isn't it, isn't it one of the really biggest showings of the festival? Aside from the Blair Witch uh, screening, the Blair Witch Project. I don't know. By the time you guys are listening to this, the Florida Film Festival is over, so RIP to that. But uh, Damn. So you recommend it, though? I do recommend it. Okay. Um, it smell. was, I will say, for sure, Elizabeth Moss, I think so far this year, gave my favorite performance of the year. Cool. Overtook over Lupi- Matthew McConaughey in The Beach Bum. And Lupita? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I think, without a doubt, like, the performance that Elizabeth Moss gives, I think that... It's one of those performances where I know she's not going to break out because of this, but it feels like almost, you know how a lot of actors and actresses like have that moment where it's like the movie before the big movie that like people are like, oh, this was her breakout. But then real people are just like, oh, no, this was really like the sign, Mm -hmm. like from Handsmaids 
to her smell to I can't wait to what her big thing is next. I feel like she's going to become an A-list actress. She was solid in Us. I mean, she didn't do much, but she she yeah. had a... I mean, a, she's doing great yeah. for... In, we live in a world where actresses with non-traditional looks don't do well. You know? yeah, and no, she's doing I mean, great for, for her. Like She's doing amazing. She's doing great she things also, for Scientology. Shout out to her. She actually sings and plays guitars no in a couple of scenes so, in this movie. Yeah, she's from a family of musicians. Yeah, she does she's music. like, yeah, I know. I do some stuff. Do, and, you guys remember that movie she made with Mark Duplass, the yes. one I love. The one Absolutely. I love. I never saw the one. I oh, love. it's great. I'll never forget it. It's so very good. weird movie. <laughs> I really want to rewatch it because I I remember loving that movie. I, honestly, like seeing this was just like it really wanted to send me on like an Elizabeth Moss like deep yeah. dive. And You're going to become a Scientologist. Like, that. like, is she a Scientologist? Yeah. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So Ernie, all right. Her smell. Uh, let me get through mine real quick so we can wrap it up. So documentary now. Uh, wrapped up the third season, or as they like to call it, season 53. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That, this is last week I mentioned that I got uh, PlayStation View to watch some some stuff. And uh, this isn't, I mean, this just wrapped up, so there's not going to be any more episodes. But this is one of the things that I was able to catch with that subscription. So uh, I caught the last, it's not a long season, it's only like seven episodes or so. So I just like really easily uh, watched the last few that I had left. And it's great. I mean, it's it's really good. Not every single episode is a home run, but like we talk about every time we bring up this show, it's just every episode is just this really detailed oriented love letter to the source material that they are kind of lampooning. Yeah, it's it's like painstaking. Yeah. So yeah. it's it, even if it's not like an absolute masterpiece every single time because that's impossible to do you can still marvel at like the detail that they are investing like everything in in certain episodes when they're doing like these period piece episodes older stuff they'll only use cameras and lenses from that time yeah like that's how far they'll go so I won't go episode by episode, uh, but the standouts for me were obviously uh, co-op, which I had already talked about. It was the John Mulaney, uh, Stephen Sondheim uh, making fun of like a Broadway cast recording. Amazing, amazing episode. That might actually be the best one of the season. Uh, I also mentioned the premiere episode, the two-parter, making fun of Wild Wild Country. Uh, That's a a good one. Uh, But some that I haven't brought up that I watched this uh, second go-around um, they did a, a spoof of that. Remember that lady that went viral? That was this artist. It was like a performance artist that was just sitting in a chair, like staring at people sitting in the chair in front of her. Yeah, you guys remember that it went viral a couple a couple of years yeah. ago. Shia LaBeouf. No, it wasn't. Shia, <laughs> it wasn't Shia LaBeouf. Um, I'm gonna look up her her name real quick. But the um. The documentary that they are making fun of is called The Artist is Waiting. And they got Kate Blanchett Ooh. to do it, which is, I mean, she's a fucking yeah. movie well, star. Well, the, the big transition this season has been the stars are like, well, dig- different. Uh, uh, yeah, Fred pops up in a few. Bill doesn't pop up at all. Yeah, Bill's on Barry. Bill's too busy. Yeah, yeah. Bill Bill's on some other shit. Right yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, actually, waiting for the artist is the name of the episode. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what the other one is, but anyway, that was a good one. Really, really well done. But guys, the final episode is a parody of a bowling documentary. Mm. Oh, kill me. <laughs> 
Nice. It's called Any Given Saturday Afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and it stars That's good. Michael C. Hall as oh. this like perfect oh, bowler. Himself. Like oh, just no. a perfect like bowls 300s every time. Like just Fuck yeah. He's like dead inside cuz he's so good at bowling. And um you also have um fucking Bobby Moynihan. Nice. As, oh, Bobby. As this like horrible horrible bowler who once one year won a championship by by default because his only contestant had to leave the competition to go uh help his wife deliver their baby and he won with the lowest score ever with a 96 cuz he kept getting gutter balls. So this is a story of how the uh, these bowlers, this community of bowlers, is trying to get bowling back into the national conversation and trying to get like televised bowling to be a thing amongst like the NFL and the NBA and trying to get it back into the zeitgeist of oh the public. It was so fucking funny. That it was sounds so amazing. good, so good, so so good. Good for Michael. Good for Bobby. I love Bobby. I don't care. Dude, he's, I love Bobby too. I hope that Bobby's doing okay. He's so funny because he just plays this bowler who, like, he is just terrible. Like, mm. he's he's not a good bowler. Everybody hates him because he's still part of, like, the community, but he's he sucks. <laughs> like, he's not anywhere close to being good. And he's just hanging out. He's, like, working at the pro shop of his local he's, bowling yeah, alley. There's a... I think the problem with Bobby was always like he did well in SNL. He lasted forever. But when you get a really huge guy, the expectation is Farley style, like way over the top humor. And Bobby does really good understated Either acting. Farley or Keenan, where you have that kind of a face where you can just look at the camera yeah, and yeah. make everybody else laugh. But Bobby does great character work. Like he does little uh, acting just as well as he does big acting. Mm -hmm. So good for little Bobby. Yeah. And yeah. good for Michael C typecast as a I, dead behind the eyes guy. Dude, like that's yes. literally per I mean, I you guys saw Game Night, right? Like yeah. that's kind of I mean, spoiler for Game Night. He can never play a year ago, yeah. but Michael C. Hall makes a cameo in Game Night and, and it's perfect. He is perfect in that movie because like he is the ultimate just like he pulls out the Dexter inside of him where you're like, oh yeah, you fucking kill people. Yeah. Like, there's he'll, he'll no never, doubt about that. He'll never not that, play a sociopathic guy no, in his life. But it's, I mean, he can play it so, yeah. so well. I actually, I was waiting for Documentary Now to finish up so that I could actually watch all of it in one chunk. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that it's now, now that it's finished, I'm not glad that it's over, but I'm glad well, that it's it's renewed. It's season. renewed for a fourth. I'm glad that the season's over so that I can uh, yeah. watch yeah, through all it's of it. It's on IFC. Uh, it's also on AM. MC. So uh, I, what? yeah, they kind of like double. I know it's it. also on Hulu. If you guys have Hulu, and home. well, it's also on Netflix. The old, the not the new season, but yeah. the other. And two. if you have like cable, it's on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, if you have Showbox, you can find it on there. Probably. I was going to shout out one more episode. Uh, episode five. It's called "Searching for Mr. Larson: A Love Letter from the Far Side." It's a great name. It's a parody of Dear Mr. Waterson. Oh, but oh, it's for no. but it's for Gary Larson. <laughs> no. Uh, no, it well, yes, I it is. Gary Larson is that is a the, real thing. Yeah, the Gary Larson. Yeah, the Far Side is like iconic okay. uh, single panel comic strips. Great, yeah. great comics. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, it's it. There was a documentary a couple of years ago called Dear Mr. Waterson, where this guy wants to find the creator of Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, and, who's and, a recluse. Yeah, but the. The whole documentary is this guy just interviewing people about Calvin and Hobbes. That's yeah, really all it is. Because he couldn't get Bill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so 
in this in this parody, we have Fred uh, as this guy who just wants to meet Gary Larson, and his wife is like ha- has a newborn child at home, and she's like calling him, freaking out, like you need. I just had your kid. You need to be here. And he's like, I'm making a movie. I'm going on the road. I'm making a documentary. Come on. She's like, I'm dry heaving right now. You need to come home. So that's great, quality. great Fred stuff. And uh, it it was it was a great episode. Good. So documentary now. Um, All right. Amazing stuff. All right. Two more quick things. One, Guava Island on Prime Video. This is the Donald Glover, Hiro Mirai directed and also Rihanna starring short film that they put out. Um, How long? Actually, it's about 50-something minutes long, okay. and that's kind of my biggest gripe with it. I, I Maybe it was my ex- expectations knowing that they had shot. I, I, I knew a while ago that Hiro Mirai shot something in Cuba with uh, yeah, Donald Rihanna. Rihanna yeah. And, yeah, like I knew about this, and then I kind of forgot about it. I was like, may, will we even see this? What what even was it? So now it's out, and it's, it's somewhere between a short film – and a movie so it's not quite a feature length but it's not quite as short as like a short film would be but it it features all of the songs that we've heard from him in this latest cycle this is america summertime Summertime magic um uh, feels like summer and saturday uh and it intertwines all those songs into a story but it doesn't deliver that story in as much of a cohesive way as a traditional film would do. Mm. So it sits in this weird, uncanny valley of like the 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 music video film lemonade type thing and an actual movie, and it's not quite either one. But it looks beautiful. It's shot really well on location. Uh, all of the extras and the the world that they capture here, the the picture that they're trying to paint of like what this fictional guava island is like is really cool and just vibrant with music and dance um but the story itself there's not, not that much not there's really not that much, much of there. a movie yeah and also rihanna like doesn't really do much leticia wright is there uh and she actually has some good scenes but rihanna they don't that's really do much with like her. that's really a bummer that like they could have like goddamn imagine a Rihanna and Childish Gambino like a duet together mm-hmm. with the two of them like yeah. that would be amazing. From everything I've heard from Donald Glover himself, I I, I haven't seen Guava Island yet. Um, I was kind of saving that and Homecoming for like a rainy day coming up soon in the next uh, couple of days, but um, for everything I've heard, it almost sounds like. He wanted to make it almost like it would be like a web short, but now since it got released on Amazon Prime and everything else like that, it kind of got built up to being bigger than mm-hmm. what it ever and was intended. And it premiered at Coachella. It, it sounds and... like it was bigger than it ever intended to be. Yeah. Like that it was meant to just be like, hey, here's a little short to just get you hyped for like exactly. the Donald Glover future. But... Or or kind of what uh, Janelle Monae did with Dirty Computer, how yeah. she dropped this kind of compilation of music videos, kind of like mm. she had this this album-long music video, and then each one is just a separate video right. for each song. So it's not quite this. There's more of there's more of a plot. There's more of a thread than something like Dirty Computer. I was or gonna, I was gonna bring up Dirty Computer because Dirty Computer isn't really a story as much as it is just a series of music videos. Yes. So this does have a little bit more of um, meat but on it do- the bones. Yes, than but it doesn't Dirty go computer. right. But it doesn't go all the way. It doesn't commit to is being it, a full-on movie. Okay. 
So it do, hmm. it doesn't quite make the Fison jump. Is it? Yeah. Does it have any relationship with uh, clapping for the wrong reasons? Do you remember? I that? actually thought a lot about yeah. that. I I kind of preferred that one more because mm-hmm. that one was shorter. And it, it, was. It, it fit into the universe that he was establishing yeah. with because the internet. So, yeah. So if you don't know, Clapping for the Wrong Reasons was a short film that Donald put out when he put out Because the Internet in 2013. And it was mostly just it wasn't like a companion piece musically, but it was a companion piece for like thematically setting. Thematically. Yeah. Setting the tone for the movie. Uh, it was set at the house that he lived at while he made this album. And also there, he released a screenplay along with this album that set nobody inside yes. in the yeah, same world yeah. that no critic read apparently because critics yeah. were just like, what the fuck is this album? Fuck it. Like, yeah. They, I don't understand any of this, yeah. but, but uh, I, I really enjoyed that one though. Yeah. And it seems like, there, he was in a similar headspace and employing here Mariah to help him out with the direction was a good call because again it looks beautifully it looks beautiful and it's there is a good talent behind it but it doesn't I mean we haven't heard a new album right because this is a different thing than uh, Awaken My Love entirely so to to have it fit into this larger universe it's not quite there and you know there is something to be said about him having a, a full Gambino verse where the the boy, as he's known in Because the Internet, and Earn in Atlanta, and now whatever childish Gambino is like now, that they are all kind of intertwined in some way, yeah. it, loosely. Okay. So, well, you know, you could, you could kind of messily put those pieces so, together. So, I mean, since you were talking about Guava Island, I was saving this for now. Did... Had, Either of you guys watched the Donald Glover, the Childish Gambino performance from Coachella? No. Okay. Performance from Coachella was amazing. Like, it was truly, like, one of the best, like, not being in-person live concerts that I've ever seen. Like, it was just so well done. His ability to uh, act with the crowd while he was doing these like moments on stage that really felt like a film like like just some kind of an epic yeah. it was so performance it felt like something that Michael Jackson or Prince would do on stage Whoa. where it's so Whoa. not the touching children part of it um but just the whole thing of him like this stage presence that he has He's a genius because I mean he is an actor like mm-hmm. he and really a writer and a, and a director. writer and director like he has this mind that he knows how to perform to the best of his abilities and his performance is on another level but to that point like you were talking about waking my love and I almost wonder now with his new album that's coming out I'm really wondering where an album like awaken my love is going to fall in his discography. Like, I'm wondering if that's going to be, because it seems more like he's going, He, I mean, of course, it's a little bit more of a mature, quote-unquote, sound than because the internet, but I'm wondering if that's going to almost seem more of an outliner, outlier, or if that's going to be like a transition point where he uses all of these influences into his lair music. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think we can we tell can only, already. But we can only really speculate. We haven't heard the full album. We've yeah. heard a couple of but singles. From, but from those singles, it's, they sound more like Awaken My yeah, Love it's, than it's almost stuff. It's almost like a recipe. But but whenever... But <laughs> something like... But I mean, Awaken My Love has like no rapping on it. And like whenever he would start to play... Like he played Terrified, which is my favorite song off of Awaken Ooh. My Love Live. And... It's such like a dark song. He sings the song almost like to the ground. He's so like hunched over yeah. and everything else. 
and the crowd isn't as into it as whenever he plays stuff like camp stuff from camp or from because the internet. So I'm almost wondering what the reception's going to be to like what this new album is. If it's more of the awaken my love sound, if it's more of the classic yeah, rapping people, kind of style that he's brought to his older music, people probably went crazy for this is America. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, sh- I'm sure. But like, of course he raps in this is America. He hasn't yeah. rap in anything Good from point. Awaken my love. Good like, there's point. no rapping on that album. That album is just straight up like a 70s, early funk. 80s funk yeah. album. Like, it's just, you could throw that on a playlist. I actually snuck it in at work the other day. I'm just playing, like, 80s funk stuff with Earth, Wind, and Fire and Funkadelic and, and stuff. And I'm right just, in. like, fit, yeah. throw it right in there. And it just fits right in. And you almost don't even notice the difference one, between it all. One it's la- just higher produced. One last thing about Guava Island is he's clearly trying to use it as a way to fit in some social commentary. And it kind of puts the song uh, This Is America into a little bit of a different uh, light with what he's trying to say there. So I recommend watching it. It's it's not a bad thing. I, I Maybe I had too high expectations for what it is, yeah. but it is worth watching to see these songs that we've already heard in a little bit of a different light in how they fit into the story of the movie. So I definitely recommend it for that. It's a super easy, breezy, 50-something minute watch All right, cool. on Prime Video, Guava Island. All right, last thing before we wrap it up. I won't go too much on about this, but <laughs> High Life the new movie from Claire Denis uh, starring Robert Pattinson. I saw it Mm. last night. I'm still mulling over it. Mm -hmm. I actually had really kind of a lot of interest in this because I'm super into space and sci-fi movies. So whenever... Robert Pattinson? Yeah. Whenever I see that there's a weird fucking A24 space movie coming out, I'm like, yeah, I'm there. I'm there. Easy, easy. I'm there. And then I started hearing talk about it premiering at these festivals, heard that it had like weird fucking uh, black holes. Yeah, sex box and black holes and shit. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm so in, so in. A little bit disappointed. A mm. little bit disappointed. I think I overhyped mm. myself a little bit. The movie's very strange. There doesn't have a strong like plot or character through line to keep me super intrigued. Uh, but it does present good themes because the the central story here is that these these are prisoners uh, on a spaceship on like a suicide mission essentially. So it does present these themes of like what happens when we're isolated, what happens when we're removed from society, and we're left to our own devices. It doesn't fully commit to those things, and it chooses to tell its story in a non-linear fashion, uh, jumping between different uh, timelines on the spaceship. Um, so it kind of, that kind of takes away a little bit of the mystery intrigue of it all. Mm. Uh, but I loved Pattinson's performance and I love the performance of the other, uh, the other main lady who plays kind of like the evil scientist type who's conducting experiments on, on all these prisoners on the, on the ship. And also there's a baby in this who gives like the best baby performance I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> better than American Shout Sniper? Yeah. Baby. Yeah, better than the fake baby in American <laughs> the Sniper. Doll. Wow. American yeah, Sniper. they were I don't know if they were like let's just shoot random stuff with this baby and we'll use whatever footage we get or if they, they like, had a actually camera on them at all times. Or if they actually were able to get this baby to like pick up a strawberry and feed it to Robert Pattinson on cue. It's like mind-blowing stuff. Um so I, I'm glad I saw it just to support original filmmaking. 
I'm not super familiar with Claire Denis' work, and now I kind of want to backtrack and see what it's like because it is. It was a very weird movie. She's known for like opaque, strange. Yeah, it, there's barely a plot or like a strong character to, character to attach yourself to. It's more about like mood and vibe. Yeah. Um. So you know, I can't quite say it's a great movie. But there is a lot of creative ambition behind it. It looks it, good. It's not your average sci-fi movie. It's it's preoccupied with more kind of grounded human things. Okay. And, and its approach to how it how it depicts the black hole and the spaceship and like the set design of the spaceship and the and the suits and all that. I really really dug all that. Uh, it 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 kind of strikes that. Uh, that cool thing, that that retro future type thing that the old Star Wars movies did so well, and like futuristic yeah. shit is like gross and worn. So I really love that. And there's a fuck box. That's, so find yeah, out I'm what in. that is by watching High Life. I really, I really want to see this movie. I was, I won't say I was like overhyped for this, but I was really looking forward to this movie. So I would definitely I want to still, check it out before I would, I know too yeah. much. More tepid expectations, I would say. Okay. There is overhyped for this We movie, do get so. Andre 3000, so I would have liked a little bit more Andre 3000 in there. He only has a couple scenes. But that's Probably that's always actor, true, though, no matter so. what he yeah. does. You always yeah. want a little more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, and then whenever on. you get too much of him, you're like, maybe a little bit less Andre <laughs> yeah, then, <laughs> then you get Idlewild by <laughs> Outcast. <laughs> All right, guys, let's wrap it up for this episode of We Bought a Mic. You can reach us at webottomic.gmail.com and Twitter at webottomic.com. To let us know what you thought of all the stuff we talked about, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Five stars only, please. And, uh, yeah, we'll be hitting you with a We Fought a Mic in a couple days. Ding, ding, ding. So stay tuned for that. And Avengers Endgame coming up with special guest um, returning from an alternate dimension where he poofed into where dust. Where he was dead. Good. Great. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter at Drew, D-I-E-T-Z-E-N. I'm on Letterboxd at Drew, D. Uh, I'm on Spotify. You can follow me. I have great playlists. Omni, yeah. Uh, go find Omni through me on Spotify. <laughs> it's necessary. Uh, it's a necessary step. But yeah, that that's all. Don't. And if you don't want to do any of that, then honestly, that's okay. Don't do it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Hunt Mobley. That's H-U-N-T-M-O-B-L-E-Y. You read my full review of her smell. Turns out it was not a very good smell. You're gonna but review, I still enjoyed it. A you're lot. gonna review her smell. I'm I'm reviewing her smell. Sorry, oh I guess I'm God. not woke anymore. That's not on Letterbox. You can't do that on Letterbox. <laughs> did you make a website? I, yeah, I did. That's on my hersmell.org.net. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We love you. Uh, stick around for we fought a mic and Endgame, and uh, yeah. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.